I did something really crazy, but don't I, I don't put it past myself to do crazy things, you know. So uh, last week was Valentine's, and uh, I made everybody peach cobbler and ice cream, and we ate it at the end of the service, and I've had a lot of good comments on that. Some was like, y'all are tempting me to do that again, so, you know. But I, <laughs> I actually had two pizzas to give away and a $10 Chick-fil-A, and I had it in my Bible or wherever I had it. And I just totally forgot about it for Valentine's. And then we all went home, and then it's still here. And so I can't keep it because we got it to give it away. So I have to give it away tonight. So, so we're going to get like a little bit from last week and a little bit on this week. We're, we're, this is a Valentine's expanded. Come on, y'all. And so <laughs> here we go. Now, you, you know, you got to win it. You got to win it, right? So here's what we're going to do. We've been looking at the book of Genesis now for a little while. And so I'm going to ask you a few questions from the book of Genesis, and if you get it right, you're going to get a free pizza or Chick-fil-A, okay? You know this stuff? You got it. All right, she's got it. (laughs) Okay, y'all ready? Here's the first one. How many generations was it from Adam to Abraham? Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else want to go? Because that's not the correct answer. No? Okay, see, y'all wasn't listening, was you? Okay, how many generations was it? Not from Adam to Noah, which was 10, but from Adam to Abraham. 20, who said that? Okay, would you like Chick-fil-A or pizza? Pizza. One free classic pizza, Little Caesars. I don't even know what that means, but there it goes. Okay, so it, it does say on there, use at that location. Okay, but the problem is I'm going to have to gift it to somebody because I'm a carnivore. Oh, okay. Well, classic, is classic you can get meat on there, can't you? Yeah, I think you can. Would you rather have the Chick-fil-A? Well, I want to give it to somebody. Okay, I got another question. No, hey, never fear. I have another question. Okay, here we go. Here's our next question. She's going to gift it to somebody. It'll be hers to you if you get it right. All right, here we go. Ready? I fooled you on that one, didn't I? Oh, yeah. All right, (laughs) here we go. Next question. If you get it right, you get a pizza. What does Methuselah's name mean? That's right, right behind you. When he dies, it will come. Now, why is that so important? Because... Uh, uh, at this particular time, it had been prophesied that the flood was going to come, okay? The flood would come. So Enoch walked with God, and then he had a son named Methuselah, and he lived, well, here's another question. How long did he live? Uh, You got it, Judy. Here we go. How about a free pizza back there? Here we go. Okay, he lived 969 years And that's the longest life in the entire Bible. And we concluded that God allowed him to live that long. Why? Because just like now, have you ever asked yourself, why hadn't Jesus come? Because of his mercy. He's given people opportunity to be saved, okay? Same with Methuselah. He lived, it was prophesied that when he died. By the way, check this out. The week that he died, guess what God told Noah? Noah. Go into the ark. 
You don't get a card for that one, but you did get it right, okay? <laughs> okay, now I got one that we haven't talked about yet, but if you know the answer to it, you know more than I do, okay? But I do have a Chick-fil-A uh, thing if, if, if I think your answer is that legit. Whenever God, uh, he, a few, on a few occasions, he changed people's names. Like, for example, we've looked in Genesis, and there was a guy named Abram, and God changed his name to what? Abraham, okay? And what does Abraham mean? Father of nations. And we're going to see again tonight that he was indeed the father of nations, okay? Because not only did he have Ishmael first through Hagar, and Ishmael, how many sons did Ishmael have? Twelve. Why is that important? How many sons are a part of the nation of Israel, the 12, I said it, the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, so that's 24 right there, right? And then he married a woman named Keturah, and how many sons does she have? Six, but that would have been a good number. <laughs> if I was guessing, I'd have guessed 12 because we'd already hit two in a row, right? And she had six. Think about this now. Moses is over 100 years old when he marries Keturah. Because Isaac was born when he was how old? Uh, did I say Moses? I'm sorry, Abraham. Let's get on the right guy. Sorry about that. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. Then Sarah died, and he married another woman named Keturah, and they had six more sons. Jeez, that's the right word right there. Okay, but anyway, God changes people's names. Let's get back to the question at hand. He changes people's name, and, he, and his wife's name was originally what? Sarai, and her name was changed to Sarah, okay? And there was a guy in the New Testament that was named Simi, uh, Simon, and what did his name get changed to? Peter. And from that point on, once Abraham's name was changed to Abraham, do we ever go back and call him Abram? Never. Always call him Abraham. Do we ever go back and call Peter Simon again. No, Jesus did on one rare occasion, but I'm going to give him that because he, would, he needed to be called Simon the way he was behaving, okay? So anyway, but we don't go back. We, we, everybody in here calls him Peter, right? Because we don't go back. But there is one person in the Bible that God changed his name and we still call him the old name. Does anybody know who that is? Jacob, there you go. Now, I want to ask you a profound question, really important question. Why is it that God says a bunch of times in the New Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and, and not his name Israel? Remember when God told him, he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but because you have prevailed with God. Why is it that we still call him Jacob? Why is it that God called him Jacob? Why is it the New Testament calls him Jacob? And I got some really bad news for you. I don't know the answer. <laughs> and that's the truth. But I have a thought. Okay, I have a thought. Yes, Jan has a thought.
Well, and that actually goes along with the thought. Anybody else want a thought before I thought? Okay, Joe. Joe has a thought. Shh. Right. Well, actually, but the problem that we can see with that pretty quickly is Jacob is actually the dirty word, the surplanter, the deceiver, the, um, you know, you get the idea. That's the problem that we have with it. Why are we still calling them Jacob? I have a thought. Anybody else want a thought before I thought mine? You have a thought. You have a thought. Well, <laughs> well, I looked up a whole bunch of stuff because I was going to see if anybody else was thinking the way I was thinking. Not that that makes a thought normal right? <laughs> but maybe a little more legit, maybe, but not normal. But he, uh, so a bunch of people said God called him Jacob when he wasn't doing well, and he called him Israel when he was. But I don't want God doing that for me. And I don't think he does. And I don't think he does that for you. I don't think he, he once he changes us, he doesn't say, oh, boy, you just like the guy you used to be. No. I, I don't think he does that. So I, I did not, I, he, he probably did regress. I probably have at times too, you know, but I don't think that's the reason. But okay, so here's my thought, okay? Anybody else wanna throw in though before I, because I love to hear what y'all are thinking. Which, what's going on in your mind? Okay, so here's what I thought. The 12 sons of Jacob became the nation of Israel. Okay, they became the nation. God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And so my thought was this, Israel has not yet repented and received Christ, the nation, okay? They're walking in the flesh still that Jacob walked in before his name was changed. And until the nation repent, it is a what did we call it last week? It is a type and shadow. Remember all the types and shadows that I gave you about him last week? It is a type and shadow of what's happening to the nation of Israel. Don't forget that whole nation came out of him. And so anyway, that was my thought that because the nation of Israel hasn't turned to Christ, that's a symbolic of the flesh. And so uh, he was changed. But anyway, that was just my thought. But I wanted to point that out because I thought maybe you've never seen that before because it's just an interesting thought if you've never seen that before to think down that path. Genesis 22 tonight, that's where we're starting. Man, we've covered some great ground so far. And we started with creation. Tina, did you, did you have, a, have a thought? Okay, we started off with creation in the book of Genesis and we spent weeks and weeks on that. It was so good. And all of these are on podcasts. You can go back and listen to all these studies if you want to go that far back. And so we're going to finish up the book of Genesis. And now we've moved into the first 11 chapters, by the way, of the book of Genesis is really about the uh, creation 
uh, the beginning of man, the beginning of the earth, the beginning of our solar system, the beginning of all of these beginnings, and it's really, really amazing stuff. And then after chapter 11, we get into the history of mankind as uh, growing into the nation of Israel after the flood and all those kind of things. And so new beginning with Noah and then the history of Israel, and we go right into that. So that's where we're at now in Genesis chapter 22. Last week, we saw the birth of Isaac. We, we've studied over the life of Abraham over the last several weeks. We're going to hit Isaac tonight, and then we're going to be talking about Jacob. And then who's after that? Joseph, and so, and then we're going to move out of the book of Genesis, okay? So, anyway, it's going to be, a, these, these, are, these are not going to be uh, so enlightening, sharing something new that we don't know all the time like we have been over the last several weeks. These are more historical reality about how the nation of Israel came into being and the promises that God made to them. Very, very important stuff, though. So, so uh, last week we saw the birth of Isaac, Abraham and Sarah's son in his old age. We saw the birth of Isaac, and uh, they had waited on that promise for a long, long time. That's why it's kind of confusing in Genesis chapter two, 22, when God says, take your son, your only son that you love so much, and go offer him for a sacrifice. And that's where we're at tonight. Incredible chapter. Let's look at it together. Uh, <clears throat> if you have a comment, please get in there. It came to pass, Genesis 22, verse 1, after these things, after what things? After God gave the promise to Isaac and Sarah, after their names had been changed, after all of this has taken place, now they have the son of promise. God said he, he did, what is that word there? Tempt. This is a test, y'all. He did test Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here am I. And he said, take now thy son, your only son. It's interesting here, is this the only son that Abraham has? Not in the flesh, but in the eyes of God it is. Because why? God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a son of promise. And what did Abraham do? He jumped off in the flesh and he, and he, had, he took uh, another wife and had Ishmael. And we can't even begin to talk about the problems that that's created and still exists as a result of that. But he says, your only son whom you love and get thee to the land of Moriah and offer him up for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I shall tell thee of. And by the way, I just want to tell you, in case you're not a, a, a strong history student of the Bible, Moriah happens to be the very place where God offered up his own son. The very place. So God actually takes Abraham and Isaac. And by the way, we said last week that Isaac was a type of Christ. He was a shadow and a type of Christ which would make Abraham a type of what? God, Father. And we call him Father Abraham, okay? As a matter of fact, let me just read you this list. Both Isaac and Christ were both given names before they were born, okay? Both, both of their births were announced and long awaited for. How long did they wait for Isaac to be born? A long, long time. How long did they wait for the Messiah to be born? A long, long time. Both of them were supernaturally born. Isaac was born of parents that were too old to have children, and Jesus was born of a, of a, a virgin. So both of them were supernaturally born. Isaac carried his wood up to the, this mountain, to the, to the place of sacrifice, up this hill. Jesus carried his wood up, called the cross, to Mount Calvary, the very same mountain here on Mount Moriah. Both of them were greatly loved by their father. How many of you know, he, Jesus, uh, Father God said, this is, my beloved, uh, this is my son, beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. And we know that God just told Abraham, Take your son that you love. So both of them were greatly loved by their father. Uh, both Isaac and Christ 
willingly submitted to their father's will to slay them. That is phenomenal. We think Isaac was in his 30s. He could have whooped his father. He was in 100. <laughs> okay. He had to be willing to lay down on that uh, altar that was there because if he wasn't willing, it wasn't going to happen. Jesus said, Father, he said, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. He said, but not my will, but thy will be done. So both of them were willing to be slain. And then the, the ram was a substitution for Isaac and the lamb was the substitution for you and me. Come on, somebody. That's how beautiful is that? And then here, this incredible thing is both of them were offered up on the very same mountain. So when you think about all that, we see that Isaac is a type of Christ and Abraham is a type of the father, okay? So here we see now that... Verse 3, Abraham, don't you love this? He rose up early in the morning. <clears throat> he didn't think about it a while. He didn't try to figure out how to get out of it. He just got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two young men with him, and Isaac and his son claved the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place of which God had told them. And on the third day, that's how long it took him to get there, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. You know, it's something I thought of that I really appreciate it. <clears throat> Doesn't tell us a whole lot about this in the Bible, but Abraham must have been in pretty close communion with God. God told him, here's what I want you to do. God told him, here's where I want you to go. And God must have told him, there it is. I find that pretty incredible. He pretty close communion with God. Abraham said unto his young men, watch this now, verse 5. This is Genesis 22, verse 5. You stay here with the donkeys, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again. Y'all, that's faith. That's faith. Now, we don't know what's going through the mind of Abraham right now until we get to the New Testament. But here's what we find out in the New Testament. We're going to turn there. You're going to have to look it up for yourself here. I didn't give it to you on this sheet because I didn't even think about it. But in the New Testament, we find out that Abraham, this is what Abraham believed. He believed that Isaac was the son of promise. So if he slayed him, God would raise him up again. And Isaac being a type of Jesus Christ, what happened to God's son? He rose him up again. It's really, the shadows and the types here are staggering. They're phenomenal. God has given us a picture of what he's going to do in the New Testament and the Old, Old Testament. Somebody say a good amen. <clears throat> Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and he laid it on, upon Isaac, his son. In other words, he's carrying it now. He took the fire in his hand and the knife and he, both of them went together up this mountain. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father. And he said, my father, and he said, here am I. He said, behold, here's the fire and here's the wood, but where's the lamb? That's a good question, isn't it? <laughs> I know how this works. Aren't we missing something? I love Abraham. Aren't you glad Abraham said, son, it's you? I'm glad he didn't say that. <laughs> it's you. You know why he didn't say that? He didn't believe that. Look at what he said. He said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. That's powerful. And they both went up together. And they came to the place which God had told them. Boy, he's in communion with God, isn't he? He built an altar there. He laid the wood in order. He bound Isaac, his son. This is amazing. 
This is the boy he's waited for his entire married life. He laid him on the altar and upon the wood. This is the one God said through Isaac, your seed will be as the stars of the heaven and the sand of the sea. Count them and you'll know how many your offspring will be. Abraham, look at this. He stretched forth his hand and he took the knife to kill his son. In other words, he brought the knife up and he is about to kill his own son. I just want to say for all the crazy people out there, you know, you can read a lot of stuff. You know, God is God into child slaying. That's so dumb. This is a type and shadow of what is going to happen to Jesus Christ for you and me. But here is a man who's willing to do whatever because he believes God is going to do what God has said he's going to do. And that's powerful. <clears throat> I love this next part. Probably can't read it without crying. In fact, something's wrong with my eyes right now. The angel of the Lord called out of heaven and said, hold it, <laughs> hold on, wait a minute. Don't lay a hand on the lad. Neither do anything to him. Look at this. Now, this is verse 12. I know you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Boy, that was convenient. Don't you know that just happened? Boy, it just accidentally happened to be up there that morning. Got hung up. I'm telling you. You know, somebody said it best. Nothing happens through God by accident. You go through something in your life, it's not by accident. God has a plan. God has a plan. Abraham lifted up his eyes and behold, there was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram. He offered him up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called his name of the place Jehovah Jireh. What does that mean? God will provide. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? He called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Did God provide a lamb for us? He sure did. Where at? On that very mountain. Man. And the angel of the Lord called out unto Abraham out of the heaven a second time. Everybody say a second time. And said, by myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and you have not withheld your son, your only son, here he does, he confirms the blessing to him again. In blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed to the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And in thy seed shall possess the gate of your enemies. And in all your seed shall all the nations of the... Oh, man, you ought to underline verse 18. All of the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And by the way, we looked at this strongly last time when we saw God telling Abraham this the first time. Here, He changed it up a little bit this time. Last time he said, whoever blesses you will be and whoever curses you will be. And that's why we talked about last time. <clears throat> you got to be careful with this nation of Israel. Because this is not just any nation. This is God's people. And they're not doing right right now. There's, hey, there's been times in all these men's life they didn't do so well. That don't matter. That's God's promise to his people. And God's going to fulfill that. So, so Abraham, I want to point out verse 19. I want you to look carefully. And I want you to tell me if there's anything that you don't see. Abraham returned to his young men. And they rose up and went to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. <clears throat> 
Is there anything you didn't see there? You don't see Isaac. Anybody, anybody want to guess the next time you see Isaac? That's right. The next time you see Isaac in the scripture is when he's about to marry. Thank you, brother. I don't know what's wrong with my eyes. They're watering tonight. Thank you. Allergies. <laughs> what is Isaac a type of? After he was killed, what happened to him? When will you see him again? When he comes for his... Is that crazy? I'm sure that was by accident, though. <clears throat> really? <laughs> I don't know. That's powerful. <laughs> That's powerful. You don't know where that text is, do you? That's okay. Google will help us with that. Yes. Yeah. We talked about that last week. Y'all might have not been able to hear, so I'm going to repeat what she said. She said, was the angel Jesus. What is that called? That's right. You got it. A theophany. So a lot of times in the Bible, or in the Bible, not in the Bible, scratch that. When theologians don't know what to call something, they make up a big word so that we none of it will hardly know what it means. This big word theophany means a, um, an appearance of Christ pre-incarnate. Okay, so this is Christ appearing on earth before he actually came as a man. Okay, it's called a theophany. And yes, that was an excellent question. We saw that twice last week. Okay, so yeah, that's great. I'm glad you caught up on that. I love it when you guys start seeing this stuff for yourself. That's what just thrills my soul when you guys do that. So yeah, that's awesome. Anybody else want to comment or ask a question or point out something? <clears throat> yeah, okay, so cool. Um, all right, so I want us to skip over to... Um, Chapter 23, we have uh, Abraham, uh, his son Isaac, uh, and now his wife dies. So let's, oh, thank you so much. <clears throat> Chapter 23, Sarah was 127 years old. King James Version does it in an unusual way, 107 and 20 years old. So 127. That's pretty good. But it's not as old as so many people in the Old Testament, but it's still pretty good. These were the years of her life, and she died at Kerjith Arba, the same as in Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up before the dead, and there's a lot of people that have come. In a, in a funeral, people come and they mourn for the dead, right? And that's what we do, and that's what we're supposed to do. And, uh, and he spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I'm a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of burying place with you that I may bury the dead out of my sight. And the children of Heth answered Abraham and saying unto him, 
Hear us, my Lord. You are a mighty prince among us. In the choice of our sepulchers, bury your dead. So does he have a choice? Anyone he wanted? Absolutely. He's a prince among them. He's a powerful man, rich and powerful. Remember, his army defeated four armies. Remember that? So, yeah. He said, none of us will withhold from thee the sepulcher, but you may bury your dead. Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people in the land, even the children of Heth, and he communed with them, saying, if it be in your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me, entreat me to Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah. Underline that word right there, Machpelah. That's a particular cave. It's a, does anybody know what the word Machpelah means? And I, I, I'm not pronouncing exactly like your Bible would if you're listening. I love it. You can take your Bible app and you can just put it on this chapter, 23, and it'll read to you, and it's going to pronounce it a little differently, but I'm going to say it the way I've been saying it forever, Machpelah. Anybody know what that word means? It's two caves. So it, the word actually means two caves. The one that Abraham has chosen actually has two caves there. If you've been to Israel or places like that where people bury their dead in a cave, this one, with the one we went in that Christ is supposedly was buried for three days in Israel, this one had two. So that's what the word actually means. It's two caves. So here's where we go. And by the way, they said, hey, you choose the cave that you want and you can have it. But really, they're not saying you can have it. They're saying you can have it, but you really should pay for it. Now, how do we know that? Well, just keep watching here. So watch what happens. Hear us, my Lord. Thou art a mighty prince among us. This is verse 6. Take your choice of sepulchers, bury your dead. <clears throat> None of us will withhold thee from thy sepulcher, but you may bury your dead. Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people in the land, to, even to the children of Heth. <clears throat> and he communed with them, saying, If it be in your mind that I should bury the dead out of my sight, entreat me to Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he hath, which is in the end of his field for as much money as is worth. He shall give it me for a possession for the bearing a place among you. Ephron dwelt among the children of Heth. Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the audience of all the children of Heth, even all of them that went in the gate of the city saying, Nay, my Lord, hear me. The field, I give it to you. And the cave that is therein, I give it to you. In the presence of the sons of all the people, I give it to thee. Bury your dead. <clears throat> Abraham bowed himself before the people of the land, and he spake to Ephron in the audience of all the people in the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me. I will give thee money for the field. Take it of me, and I will bury my dead therein. I love this saying. You talk about negotiating. Boy, there's some big negotiation going on right here. It's hard to see, but it's about to come, okay? Ephron said to Abraham, saying to him, My Lord, hearken unto me. The land is only worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between me and you? Bury your dead. Abraham hearkened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed to Ephron the silver, which he had named in the audience of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, current money with, with the merchant, and the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, in the field, which is the cave thereof, and all the trees that were in the field, and all the borders that are round about were made sure unto Abraham for a possession in the presence of the children of Heth before all that went into the gate of the city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah's wife in the cave of Machpelah before Mamre, which is the same as in Hebron, the land of Canaan. Everybody grab your phone for just a second. And the field and the cave therein was made sure unto Abraham for a possession of bearing place for the sons of Heth. Okay. <clears throat> 
several things happen here. And I, I normally would skip this chapter, but I didn't want you to miss this in case you don't know this, because it's really, really cool. But let me just say this. Abraham buried Sarah there. And later on, we'll see in these chapters that Abraham died. And where did they bury him? Same place. And then Isaac passed away at some point. Where did they bury him? Right there. And his wife, Rebecca, she was buried there. And Jacob was buried there. And Leah was buried there, but not Rebecca. Rachel, thank you. Not Rachel. If you look at Genesis 35, let's do this real quick. It'll be fun. If you look at Genesis 35 real quick in verse 16, you'll see that they were actually traveling and she was preg pregnant with Benjamin and they were near Bethlehem. Look at verse 16. As they journeyed from Bethlehem, there was a little way to come to uh, Ethron and, the, and Rachel travailed and she had a hard labor and it came to pass when she was in hard labor that his midwife said to her, fear not, thou hast also a son. And it came to pass as her soul was departing for she died they called the name of the, uh, the boy Benjamin. She called it something else. Rachel died and was buried in the way of Ephrite, which is in what place? Bethlehem. Okay, so she wasn't buried at the cave, Mac, 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 um, Macpelah. Okay, she wasn't buried there. But I got a question for you. <laughs> I didn't know this, but I love this. I just think that the Bible is so intentional. God just constantly proves himself over and over again. Does anybody else know what other two people, were, famous people were buried there in this cave? Now you got your phone. You're probably already working on it. You do because I told you today. So tell them who was buried there. Adam and Eve. How do you know? Take your phone. Google where was Adam and Eve buried and I want to tell you something really cool, which you're going to find out. If you are a, if you believe in Islam, Muslim religion and Islam nation, you believe that Adam and Eve was buried in Machpelah because it says through their history, because I read their history, if you are Jew, you believe that Adam and Eve was buried in Machpelah. If you don't believe me, you got Google. Google it. It doesn't matter who you ask. This is crazy. It doesn't matter who you ask. All of them say that Adam and Eve was buried. Now, here's what my thought was. Do you, does anybody even believe or think that Abraham even knew where Adam and Eve was buried? That is crazy. Yet, out of all the caves that he could have picked, he picked the one that Adam and Eve was buried at to bury his dead among the people where he was a sojourner. And he never owned another piece of land, but God gave him all of it. <laughs> I just find that so interesting. It is amazing to me. What does that say about the Bible? God is intentional. He does things intentionally. And here's what we discover. The more we discover about what actually happens in the Bible, the more we shake our head and go, God, you're amazing. It's just phenomenal. It's crazy. Any comments about that? You got a whole week. Well, actually two, because I think next week's food giveaway, isn't it? Okay, so next Wednesday, we actually won't be here for our study. We'll be working 
giving food away to the community. And if you come to that, you can help us, and we'd love for you to come. And if you don't, come back the next week. So, so anyway, anybody comment on, on Macpila? It's really incredible, the story itself, and, and Adam and Eve. Okay. Nobody? Are y'all looking? Are you digging? Are you seeing? Uh, go. There you go. Go ahead. You read that online, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're going to, but what I find interesting about it is really interesting. You know, okay, if only the Jews said they believed that was the burial place of Adam and Eve, then we would say from a historical point of view, that's their opinion. But if the Jews and the Muslims believe now we're putting multiplications together, okay? So I, I just thought that was incredible uh, anyway, but it doesn't take a lot to impress me. So, <laughs> all right, next thing happens, Abraham dies, and he's buried there and uh, as well in that place, uh, Machpelah. And then so, now there's a lot of beautiful things that happen in, uh, in these stories, but just to make sure that we don't miss what I really want to cover tonight I want to I have a little fun with you and show you how the nation of Israel was birthed, okay? So we have Abraham and we have Isaac, and we're going to see in verse 24 that Isaac takes a wife, and her name is Rebecca, and we're going to see how he does that, but we're going to come back to it, okay? And uh, while he's trying to take a wife that he falls deeply, deeply in love with, and then, and then uh, we see that they have children, and they're twins, and uh, there's a great struggle going on inside of her womb. And you might say it's the struggle between the spirit and the flesh. Maybe in this case, it's both of them the flesh. But anyway, so the first one's born, and his name's, what's his name? Esau. And his name means what? Harry. And he's a hairy man. And the second one, when he's born... He comes out, the other one's holding on to his heel. <laughs> and so they called his name what? Heel That's right, heel grabber. Uh, Jacob, shyster. Um, what's another name for him? Um, surplanter. He, he cons his, he, don't you love a story though? He cons his father into blessing him in place of his brother. He goes down to his mother's brother, and he gets conned 10 times. Come on, how many of you know whatever you sow, you're probably going to reap sooner or later. You better be careful about that. God had the blessing for him the whole time, but he tried to get it his own way. And we're going to see all that in a minute. But before we do, I wanted you to see that, uh, that an incredible thing happens uh, with uh, the, the birth of the nation of Israel. Jacob goes down, and he's a surplanter. He goes down to, because he cheated his brother out of the birthright that God wanted him to have the whole time, he has to run for his life. So where does he go? Back down to his mother's family. And there he meets a woman that he falls madly in love with, Rachel. He loves her. He makes a deal with Laman to work seven years, and the Bible says it seems to him like it was only a day. 
only a walk in the park. He was just so in love. And he goes in to marry her. And, you know, I told you last week, they cover their face. And it's, they're not seen. It's, it's nighttime. And he doesn't know it's Leah. And he gets, he cheats his brother. And he gets cheated by his father-in-law for the wrong woman. So he works seven more years. And he wins his bride. And now that he has two wives, which is, I mean, technically double trouble, you know. And so because two women can't live in the same house. I mean, you know, that's just crazy. And so, and we begin the story. And so I want you to see this tonight. It's just the craziest thing you ever see um, with all of this stuff. Let's turn to it. Um, Let me find it myself. And y'all can help me here. Let's see. Okay, it's go to verse, go to chapter 30. Uh, 29. <laughs> verse 31. I got it drawn up on the board and I have it, but I want you to see how insane this is. The Lord saw Leah was hated. What does that mean? Rachel was loved. And Jacob, uh, he just didn't love Leah. She was put on him as a deception. And the Bible says she was tender-eyed, and I don't even know what that means. So you will just go with that. But anyway, she, uh, so what has happened? Rachel's barren. So what happens to Leah? She, verse 33, this is chapter 29, verse 30. She conceives and bears a son. And she says, I was hated. Therefore, he has given me a son. I has called his name. Well, I'm, 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 how about verse 32? Let's get to the first one. Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, surely the Lord has looked upon my affliction. Therefore, my husband will love me. If you notice the key word in all of these, she named her children what she was going through. So the first son that was born, we have Isaac and Rebekah gave birth to twins, Esau and Jacob. Jacob was cheated into marrying Leah, but he wanted Rachel. But now that they're married, she has a first son, and she calls his name in accordance to what she's going through. It's very interesting. Now watch what happens. Verse 33, she conceived again. So she said, uh, for, as for the first conception, she said, the Lord has looked upon my affliction. And if you look up the name Reuben, what you're going to find is some words that are in harmony with affliction. Okay? So let's keep going. Verse 33. She conceived again and bare a son and said, The Lord hath heard that I was hated, therefore he have given me a son. I have called his name happy. Simeon. What, look, what does its name mean? Let me look it up. Somebody Google it for me real quick, and I'm going to keep going. What, what is it? God hears. There you go. Is that, is that what the, yours says? Perfectly. God hears. So the first one, I was in affliction. I was hated. Simeon, God hears. Let's keep going. So, so far, his, Jacob's wife, Leah, has had two sons. How many Rachel had? None. Okay, keep going with me. Verse 34, she conceived again and bare a son. And now this time, my husband will be joined with me. And that's what his name means. Joined with me. Connected together, for I have borne him three sons, therefore I should call, she called his name 
Levi. So we're up to three here. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now will I praise the Lord. And she called his name Judah. And what does Judah mean? Praise. That's exactly right. Okay, so we see so far we're talking about the nation of Israel being built right before our eyes. It's the craziest thing you ever want to see. And I told Tina, I cannot believe that God actually used the handmaids to birth some of the nations of what would be Israel. But he did. It's crazy. Okay, so we have one is Reuben, two is Simeon, three is Levi, and four is Judah. And I wish I was in travail, Reuben, and now I am in praise. And we see that going all the way. Okay, so Rachel looks over and says, hold up. She's having all these children and I'm not having any. And the Bible says that she gave her maid Bilhah to wife so that, and this was very customary of this day, so that she could have children. And by the way, when she surrogate these children to her, they would actually be considered her children. So she gave her maid Bilhah to Jacob. And let's see what happens. Verse chapter 30, verse one. When Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said uh, unto Jacob, give me children or else I die. And Jacob go, wait a minute, my God. I'm not, wait a minute. She said, behold, here's verse three. Here's my maid, Bilhah. Go unto her and she shall bear, uh, and she shall bear upon my knee. In other words, I'll rock him. That I may also have children by her. She gave him Bilhah, her handmaid to wife, and Jacob went into her, and Bilhah conceived and bare Jacob a son. And Rachel said, notice what the name means every time. God hath judged me, and he hath also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, I shall call his name Dan. Does anybody got a good Bible and tell me what Dan means? He judged me. He's heard me. He's judged my situation. He's looked at my situation. I just find it amazing. Firstborn Reuben is named, I'm in affliction. Right on down to Judah, I praise the Lord. I have four children. She has none. She has one through her maid, Dan, and says, the Lord has seen my affliction. He has judged this situation that it's not fair, and he's given me Dan. Let's keep going. This is wild, isn't it? All right. She can see. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, verse 7, Bilhah, Rachel's maid, conceived again. Bear Jacob a second son, and Rachel said, with great wrestling, I have wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed. She called his name Naphtali. What does that name mean? My re by wrestling, I have prevailed. Does anybody know anybody else that wrestled? Who? Jacob. He wrestled with the Lord and prevailed. So, so far we have one, two, three, four, five, six, five, six, and really, all of this is crazy in that this is a wrestling match going on in the birth of a nation. Okay, well, so Leah looks over and says, well, that's working pretty good. I think I'll try it. She gives her maid Zilpah, and guess what happens? Let's keep going. <laughs> Verse uh, 4, she gives her him Bilhah, her, her handmaid, to wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bare Jacob's son. And Rachel said, nope, I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong, I'm in the wrong place. 
Verse 9. Okay, thank you. It happens all the time when you get old. <clears throat> Leah saw that she had left bearing, so she took Zilpah and her maid and gave her to Jacob to wife. And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare Jacob a son. And Leah said, a troop cometh. <laughs> and she called his name a troop. Gad. Okay. Wow. And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare Jacob a second son. And Leah said, happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name happy. Asher. Okay. So we have, how many we have so far? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All right. Let's see what happens next. Next. <laughs> you want to comment? <laughs> uh, not yet, because nine and ten is when Leah starts, she starts having children again. In the craziest way you'll ever see. They come in with some mandrakes. What are mandrakes? It's fertility type things. What, what is something we would call fertility type food? Oysters, what? <laughs> I shouldn't have asked that question. <laughs> Let's keep looking what happens. I better just keep reading, right? Okay, where did we leave off? Uh, happy. She named his... Reuben went out for the wheat harvest. And who's Reuben? The oldest son of Leah. And he found some mandrakes in the field. That's an odd deal. And, and, and brought them to his mother. That's even weird. More weird. Here, mother, be fruitful. Rachel said to Leah... Rachel, which is the other sister that's loved, says, uh, I pray thee, give me some of your son's mandrakes. This is about to get even more weird, y'all. I'm just warning you. And she said to her, is it a small matter that you have taken my husband? Would you also take my son's mandrakes? And Rachel said, therefore, therefore, notice, watch this negotiation. He will be yours tonight. If you give me your son's mandrakes, it's a negotiation. Now, I don't have, I don't have a clue how they worked all this out. <laughs> I do know that they didn't live in the same tent, thankfully, because there probably would have been a killing. How many of you know there probably would have been a killing? Yeah. I don't know if they had schedules. I don't know what this looks like, but evidently this was not her time. And she's purchasing time. Through mandrakes. Have you ever seen a more wild story than this? Okay, keep going. Jacob came out into the field. He's coming home from work, y'all. Man, he's created a mess, hasn't he? And Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come into me, for surely I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. Watch this. This is so funny. God must be up in heaven laughing. Like, you talk about a strange way to build a nation. Watch this. Check this out. And he said, he laid with her that night, and God hearkened unto Leah, and she conceived and bare Jacob a fifth son. And Leah said, isn't it interesting that they tell us why they name him? Each one of them. Leah said, God hath given me my hire 
because he has given my maiden to my husband, and she called his name Issachar. What does that mean? Wages. Isn't that interesting? Leah conceived again and bare Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God hath endued me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun, which is a good dowry. Okay, so, so far we have one, two, three, four over here on this side. Five and six with Bilhah, Rachel's maid. Seven and eight with Zilpah, Leah's maid. And then she started being fruitful again and had Issachar and Zebulun. We have 10. And poor Rachel, so far she didn't have any. But thankfully, yes. Read it now, please. Amen. Boy, his father-in-law really messed him up good, didn't he? Yeah. I want to stop here and say something really powerful. Really powerful. Everybody look up here for just a minute. Please receive this. You can mess up everything you want to in life, and God can still take that and make something so amazing out of it. God took this gigantic mess and made a nation out of these 12 sons. This wasn't his plan, but he, he took the mess and turned it into what he, he desired it to be. And I just find that absolutely phenomenal. Let, let's look what happens, and, and then we'll go backwards after we talk about this for a minute. Verse 22, God remembered Rachel and hearkened unto her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bare a son and said, God hath taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph. And what does Joseph mean? A little louder. May he add. Wow. Joseph. She does have one more son. We read about it in chapter 35. What's his name? And she dies. And the love of his life dies. And he buries her in Bethlehem. Everybody else was buried in Machpelah with Adam and Eve. And that's pretty incredible. So if that is not something, the 12 sons of Jacob become, with four different wives, the nation of Israel. Now, when you read in the Bible, there's a couple things I want to tell you. Joseph is called, um, through his two sons, which was Ephraim and Manasseh, you'll read in different places that they're interchangeable. I'm going to say it like this, okay, because I don't know any other way to say it. There are actually 13 to choose from. There's 13 to choose from, but always 12. And why is that? Because at some point, because some circumstances, we'll get to later on. One of the tribes was excommunicated. Yes. Go ahead. He's not there. And who is there? We have Joseph's sons that he has from an Egyptian, which is uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, okay? 
So, and so we'll get to that later. But, but so we have these 12, and they're mentioned over and over again. Okay, questions or comment about this crazy story? Robert? Stop right there, and let me just tell everybody something. Uh, I, I just want to, he said, did any of these sons represent the flesh like Jacob and others? I want to tell you something so beautiful, if you can receive this. Uh, I said a minute ago that this actually wasn't God's will and his plan. Did you know that all of these tribes... I've already erased a little bit too much, but there was 10 tribes that were what? Lost. Lost. 10 tribes that were lost. Israel was divided up between 10 tribes and two tribes. Okay? 10 tribes were completely lost. Could God have taken... I didn't race too much. Could he have taken one and built what he wanted to start with to begin with? He absolutely could have. And he ended up doing that in the end. Is that amazing? Ten tribes were lost. Only two tribes retained their Jewish historical coming back to the land, rebuilding the temple. The rest of them were all lost. God could have taken his plan and got there a whole lot sooner with a whole lot less mess if he'd have done it a different way. Isn't that staggering when you think about that? So, Robert, absolutely. Did many of these tribes get off in the flesh and lose out completely? Yeah, they sure did. Absolutely did. And that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up and thought about that. Yeah, go ahead. Another disciple, Matthias. So, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, put your thinking hats on and pepper me with some questions now. Tina? Okay. So he said, take your son, your only son whom you love. God, he didn't even recognize. Yeah. So when Tina and I was in Israel, we went to a certain place, and I don't remember which place we was at, but they had showed us a mountain, and we went, they took us on top of this mountain, and we looked down in the valley, and they said, do you know who these people are? And we said, of course, we don't know who these people are. And they said that these are the people from an African nation, Ethiopia. So check this out. He said, these are Ethiopian Jews. 
Now listen to this. This is staggering. I just cried at the moment just hearing this because it was so amazing. But they said these were Ethiopian Jews who were able to prove they were Jews and they, were, they went and, can we use the East Texas word, fetched them and brought them home. When they came home, they had a welcoming party and they asked him, they said, have you ever seen an airplane before? They said, never. They were, they were African, never, out, you know, out in the jungles or whatever. They said, never seen that. They said, how in the world did you get on an airplane when you never seen an airplane before? They said, we had read in the holy word of God that he would bring us home on the wings of eagles. So they boarded those planes and came home. <laughs> that is phenomenal. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, I, I, God is doing a big thing in Israel. And they're under attack right now, but he, God is doing a big, big thing. What was the first thing that you said? Because I wanted to point something out about that. Okay, I remember now. I want you to back up to chapter 25. If you have a comment, please don't forget it. But I want to back up and show you something real quick. So my question for you right now is, how many sons did, did Abraham actually have? And you have that on your paper there, but you don't have the answer. So what is the answer? How many actual sons, including all of them? <laughs> I got two numbers, four and 26, and they're a long ways from each other. Anybody else want to guess? 18. 20 and 40, and it's two and then 40, and it's six. <laughs> the actual answer that we know of is eight. Now, where do we get that? Okay, first of all, we have Ishmael, who was born him of Hagar. That's one. And we have Isaac, who was born of Sarah, right? And if you look in verse chapter 25, he takes another wife, and look at verse 1. Her name is Keturah. Look at verse 2 and verse 3. I will spare you the pronunciation, but would you just underline them? Zipram, Jokshan, Medan. If you go down through there, you'll see that there are six more that we know of, and six plus one and one equals a total of eight. Now, what's interesting is Ishmael had 12 sons, and we know that the children of Israel were 12 by a nation through Jacob. So right here along, we have 24. These eight, notice if you read the next verse, it says they became prince of nations. When Abraham is called the father of many nations, brothers and sisters, I want you to know he was the father of many nations. Not only that, but how about this? Abraham is the father of nations, but he's also the father. Uh, we pointed this out last week. Three main of three of our main religions in the world. He is the father of Judaism. He is the father of Islam, and he is the father of Christianity. I'm talking about no wonder this guy is gigantic to us in the Bible because he got all that going on. Jason? <laughs> Look, Jay, as loud as you can. Uh-huh. Right. Um, and, and so, 
And you know, Jason, I really expected you to pick up on something else that I didn't mention, but I will now. Or, or Robert, I expected y'all to correct me on that or jump on that. But we also see in the tribes, there's, um, there's one tribe that's not counted. Anybody remember what it is? The tribe that served as priest. The Levites. So when you start doing the numbers, you can start adding and subtracting. It's really quirky how it all goes, but there's, it always gets back to 12. That's, yeah, it's 24, 12, 7. Those are powerful numbers. God keeps using them over and over again. Joe? I'm telling you that. <laughs> Michelle? <laughs> Okay, so that's right. The reason that <laughs> Dinah, the reason that she's actually mentioned is because in a story, there was other girls that were born. She's going to be the main event. <laughs> Does anybody remember what happened with her? She got raped by a tribe and Israel got very upset the brothers of this daughter, they said, they fooled them and said, look, the only way she can marry y'all is if you get circumcised. So they circumcised all of them. And when they were in pain, they went in and killed all of them. That's why she's mentioned. But, but she becomes the main event. I'm glad you pointed that out because I want you, what, I, what, what my desire for these Bible studies are this. I want you to see what nobody else is seeing. And we try to do that over and over again in these meetings, okay? So, Tina? Exactly. Right. So, so Levi, so, and, and Jason and I was talking about this a lot today. He was asking me questions about the, the uh, you see this all through Genesis, by the way, and it's so profound. It's just shocking. But you see this spirit and flesh, spirit and flesh, spirit and flesh thing going on all the time. So you have, you have Ishmael and you have uh, Isaac. Spirit and the flesh. I mean, you get, we looked at a New Testament scripture, I think it was in Galatians, that said, where it said in Galatians, cast the bondwoman out. She's not going to be, uh, he's not going to be uh, with my son. Anyway, it was the spirit and the flesh. So you see this over again. How about right here? Esau and Jacob, the spirit and the flesh. God hated Esau. God loved Jacob. Does it, what does that actually mean? Esau, and you'll see this in a minute, Esau goes and marries three different women of the Hittites and different ones just despite his parents. He sells his birthright for a bowl of soup. Oh, for crying out loud. He, he had no desire at all for the things of God. Do y'all know anybody like that right now? They have no desire at all for the things of God. Jacob loved the spiritual. So we have the spirit and the flesh. This is all through Genesis. I mean, you see it over and over and over again. And so what Tina is pointing out is exactly right, but it's all a picture of Spirit and flesh. We have those that are walking in the flesh, those that are walking in the spirit. Those that are walking in the flesh, even now, please God. 
That's the Bible, y'all. So, you know, we've got to fall in love with the things of God. But, yeah, that's great. Anybody else want to comment? This is good. This is good stuff. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Well, here's what I believe about that, and, and I'm, I'm with you. I'm not a Calvinist either. I don't believe, any, I don't believe what they believe. I do, however, <clears throat> believe that we are all predestined to be saved, and it's 100% our choice. Okay, so I believe it's God's will for everyone to be saved. Okay, so I believe that, so if God chose, like, for example, if he said, hey, she's going to be saved and she's not, that's, that's not God. That's, that's, that. in fact, did you know in the New Testament when you see this, people get confused about which one they are. He says many are called but few are chosen. And we get confused about that. So who are the called and who are the chosen? Or who does the calling and who does the choosing? It might be a better way of asking it. So here's, here's the interpretation of that. God always does the calling and we always do the choosing. God has called you to be saved. God has called you to be sanctified. God has called you to walk with him. God has called you to follow his son. You choose. Remember what Josh said? Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's a choice. You have one too. So, so look, Calvinists believe that no matter what you do, if you're predestined, you're going to make it. And if you're not predestined, you're not. That takes all the choice out. So, so, so you're exactly right. Robert, did you have your hand up? No, I don't. I'm telling you, he really did. So, so, so a great question. Uh, God wanted Jacob and had, remember when, before they were born, they went to see why this struggle was going on. And he said, remember what he said, everybody. He said, the older will serve the younger. That was destined to be because God said it. However, and trust me, she knew that. Mama knew that, and she loved him, and he loved Esau, okay? So she, when she heard what was going on, she set that whole thing up. That was ugly. She didn't have to do that, and Jacob didn't have to go in there and deceive his father. But all that did happen. Remember what I said a minute ago? All this didn't have to happen, but it did happen, and God took it, and he made something good out of it in the end. And I liken that to my life. All the mess I've made in my life didn't have to happen, but it did happen. But God took that mess and he turned around and he made something good out of it in the end. So as we read these stories, like Robert is saying, there's a lot of mess that takes place in these stories, including in our lives that that God has to come back and fix. It's encouraging. encouraging. (laughs) That's excellent. Go ahead, brother. Right. I don't. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's interesting. What a mess. <laughs> wow. 
God. And you thought your family was messed up. <laughs> Is anybody encouraged here tonight? I mean, I'm feeling better about everything, really. <laughs> Oh, that isn't that wild. <laughs> yeah, like uh, my wife and I had a fight today. Your name was going to be, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm glad we don't do that too, right? Okay, um, let's see, where are we at? Let's, let's turn back a few pages and we're almost out of time, but I wanted to, I wanted to hit uh, chapter 25 real quick. Abraham dies, and I want you to see what happens in verse seven. His, his years of Abraham's life, which he lived 103 score and 15 Years and he gave up the ghost and he died at a good old age. This is verse 8 of chapter 25. And notice this his son Isaac and Ishmael buried him. I like that. And they buried him where at? Then they were in the cave, Machpelah, okay, which Abraham bought. And uh, so he makes that point. And, and if you notice verse 12, uh, you may have never seen this before, so I want to point this out to you because I had never seen this before and many times I read Genesis. Uh, here's the descendants of Ishmael in verse 12. So these are the, the nations of Israel, Abraham's son, who he bore through Hagar, right? And here's their names, and he, he gives you those names right there of his 12 sons. And notice verse 16. Um, they become 12 prints according to their, to their uh, nations and, and their years, okay? And uh, so, so we see all this going on. The birth of uh, Esau and Jacob is in these next chapters. And since we dealt with that a little bit, I don't think we'll just uh, go through all of that. But uh, I did want to mention uh, one other thing. Uh, the, the greatest love story, in my opinion, is found in the story of Isaac and Rebekah. And I really wanted to. Did anybody like a good love story? Oh, me too. It's just the greatest stuff ever, right? So, so let's go back to chapter 23 real quickly. And here's just the greatest love story ever. Sarah dies, you know, and she's buried in the cave of Machpelah. And we talked about that. And uh, so, so it's time for, uh, for uh, Isaac to have a wife. So Abraham's looking chapter 24. He's, he's old and well-stricken in age, and he's blessed. Abraham said to his eldest servant of his house, who, it, notice, notice, I want you to notice, we talked about this. Abraham is a type of who? The father. Isaac is a type of who? The son. Who do you think Eleazar is a type of? The Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice something. Look, look at this verse. It doesn't even mention his name. I want you to pay careful attention as we go through this story. It never mentions his name. We know his name because his name was Eleazar because Abraham asked God to make him the heir. And God said, no, the heir will come through your wife, Sarah. But notice it doesn't mention his name. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will not speak of himself. I just tell you, the Bible is so intentional. It's amazing. I just... Mm. Oh, well, keep going here. Abraham said to his servant of his house, he rolled over and put your, I pray that your hand under my thigh, which was an oath thing. And, I'm, and I want you to swear by the Lord of heaven, the God of the earth, that you will take not a wife unto my son, the daughters of Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you will go back to, your, to our country, to my kindred, and take a wife of my son for my son Isaac. And the servant said, of course, it doesn't mention his name. 
He said, what if she doesn't come? What if she won't follow? And will I take your son again back? Notice what Abraham says. No, you will not take my son back to that land. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from that land and my kindred which he spake unto me and that swear unto me saying unto thy seed I will give this land. He shall send his angels before you and you'll take a wife for my son. And if the woman is not willing to follow, you're not under the oath anymore. So he put his hand under Abraham's thigh and they swore. And the servant took 10 camels. Watch this, y'all. He took 10 camels and, uh, from his master and he departed all these goods from his masters. I mean, he has gold and silver and everything. And he took off and, uh, toward the city of Nahor. He made his camels to kneel down in the city of well water, the time of the evening, the time when the women come out to draw. And he said, uh, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, I pray thee send good speed into this day and show my master Abraham. If I stand here, here's what he, I'm going to make the story a little quicker. He says, I pray you that the lady who comes out and she says, I'm going to ask her for water. She says, yes, I'll give you water and I'll also water your camels. And there was a bunch of camels here, y'all, and camels can drink like 55 gallons of water when they're thirsty. She had to go down into the well like this and come back out of the well like this. And she's not carrying a five-gallon bucket, a pot of water. This could take all day. Anyway, she says, let that be the one who you've chosen for my master's son. And, and so she comes out, of course. And who are we talking about here? Rebecca. And he says to her, a little water, I pray thee. She says, yes, I'll give you water and I'll water your camels. And the Bible says she goes down into this well and she comes back up and she waters the camel. And she goes down and she comes back and she waters the camel. I don't know how long that takes, but let me tell you what Eleazar goes. He goes. (laughs) By the way, y'all, two things I want you to know about. Does anybody remember what I said about Sarah? She was drop dead gorgeous. How do you know that? Because Abraham was so concerned about her beauty that he lied and said, she's my sister. And when, the, when Pharaoh saw her, he took her the minute he saw her. She's gorgeous. But you know what this lady is? Same thing. She's gorgeous. As a matter of fact, let me tell you this. When they go into a particular city with, I think it's Abimelech, he says, who, who is this girl? He's doggone it. He did the same thing his father did. He said, that's my sister. She's drop-dead gorgeous, and she's a worker, and she's everything you want. Anyway, to make a long story short, y'all, I guess I'd just better tell you the story because we're going to run out of time. I'll do that. I know it well. <laughs> he says, look, do you know Nahor? She said, I absolutely do. That's my family. He said, my master Abraham has a son, and my master's rich, and he's given him everything he has, and he's looking for a wife. And I prayed this, and that's what you did. And I believe you're her. And he took jewelry and put it on her. (laughs) And she took him home. And he said to his family, can she go? And they said, will you go? And she says, I will. And I want to pick up the story here when Isaac meet, they meet together. Uh, Let's see. Let me move ahead a few verses. You can help me find it if you want to. Okay, verse 62. Isaac came the way of the well, Leharoi, for he dwelt there in the south country. Isaac went out to meditate in the field. By the way, this is a very, very important well. You're going to see this well multiple times and big time stuff happening here 
at this well. Do you want to jot that down for your own study? He lifted up his eyes and he saw, behold, the camels are coming. Look at this, y'all. This has got to be incredible. They've never met each other. Somebody's went to fetch him a wife. How weird is that? Man, can you imagine he's met? What do you think he's meditating on? Wonder what she looks like. Wonder what she's going to act like. Wonder what she's going to be like. Mm. Anyway, she lifted up her eyes and she saw Isaac and she lighted off her camel. That there is like a million things that need to be said about that verse. But I'll tell you one of the reasons she lit off her camel. And nobody disrespect me for this because it's not my custom. It was theirs. But you didn't stand over a man if you were a woman. She was about to humble herself before. what. Hey, I always tell Tina this just for play. She don't care for it much, but I like it a lot. I said, Abraham, Sarah called Abraham Lord. <laughs> hey. She said, we don't live in those times anymore, honey, you know. But anyway, she lit off her camel. There's a lot could be said there. I'll pass just for women's rights. I'll pass. Verse 65, she had said unto her servant, what man is this that walks in the field to meet us? And the servant said, hey, baby, that's the man. She took her veil and she covered herself. There's a lot could be said about that verse. He, he didn't see her until wedding time. The servant told Isaac all things that God had done for them. Notice this, verse 67. Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And this is the most powerful part. He loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. A lot could be said about that verse, but I'll just say this one thing. Isaac's love for her, because he is a type and shadow of Christ, his bride, is a reflection of how much Jesus Christ loves you. So, so many connections here in the Old Testament. One of the things that I told a friend of mine the other day is, it's amazing to me how that you can see Jesus Christ on every single page of the book of Genesis. It's staggering. And we covered a bunch of this in the past, and we'll continue to do that. One of the best stories in the Bible, in my opinion, is the story of Joseph, and it's coming up in a week or two. We're going to have to miss next week, y'all. I hate that, but uh, we'll be back. We'll be back. Any, follow, any closing comments? Yes. Wow. Oh, well, that's interesting. Anybody else? Hey, Tim, thank y'all for driving. Brandy's already gone, but thank y'all for driving those buses for us, bringing those kids to church. Anybody else? Closing comments real quickly. We got a, two minutes. All right. Stephen, don't lift your hand unless you want to comment. Okay, cool. That's powerful, too. Now, I, I would agree that that's not how I pray, but I have prayed that in certain situations. 
You know, I bet everybody could say, in certain instances, you have prayed. You know, one of my greatest struggles is knowing what the will of the Lord is in situations. That's one of my greatest struggles. If I just knew what God wanted me to do right now, I'd do it. Right? But I don't always know. So a lot of times in those moments, I pray that kind of prayer that Stephen's talking about. Lord, if, if this is your will, then open this door. And if it's not, close it. We, we work on, Tina and I, we've worked on it for years, but a green light, red light system, if uh, the door's not open, we don't go. If the light's green, we can go to the next one. And, and, but if it's red, you don't push God around. That's how you get in big trouble, y'all. Let's stand together and pray together. Hey, thank y'all for coming tonight. I hope that uh, you were blessed and enjoyed the study. We'll continue in this book of Genesis until we've completed it. Father, thank you for the opportunity to just get together and to, to, to look at the Word of God and to be in awe at how intentional you are in putting things in the Bible. It's amazing. Your book is so amazing. It, what, what is in the Old Testament concealed is in the New Testament revealed, and what that is is the image of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that tonight. Father, I pray for blessings upon these people as they go. I pray that this week would be blessed for them and that you would strengthen them in every way. And we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless y'all. Have a great, great week this week, y'all. God bless you.